It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. I left the house. I, of course I work now. Right. <laughs> well, and Brian, in your, in your line of work, it's probably important that everybody wears pants as well. Yes, it's a, it's a health code thing. So. <laughs> I'm not sure there's too many professions where not wearing a pants is like cool. I don't know. Are there? Obviously pornography, yeah. you know. But yeah. um, I'm trying to think of others. Swimmers? Yeah, Swim, Swimmers. That's a good one, actually. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I do in my free time. Is yes. There's two. It's a noble endeavor. <laughs> is, it, is it though? <laughs> is anything? <laughs> we were talking about uh, locations. I, Brian, I am so impressed. Like your setup is lovely. You have like thank you. perfect, perfect lighting and everything. And I was explaining my disgusting setup <laughs> behind me here. <laughs> and I'm completely washed out by light right now. There we go. If I just do the podcast like this, that won't be weird, right? That's perfect. That's a good Thank move. you. That's what I'm, I'm striving for here. <laughs> if you can get as much neck as possible, I think that really helps. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Speak It. Yeah, my granddad, random story, my granddad had to get his license picture taken and he had glasses on and they said the glare is catching on. <laughs> so legit <laughs> <laughs> pictures like this. <laughs> Poor granddad. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. So Brian, it's so nice to meet you. I I, I think until a week ago, I knew you as Brio Easton. <laughs> so. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Do, are people calling you just Brio Easton at this point? Yeah, usually a lot of people say, what's your name? Well, I want to know what your name is. I said, just, just Brio Easton. Mm -hmm. Do you have a middle name? or? Uh, Thomas. Brio <laughs> Thomas Easton. <laughs> Tomas. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I want to get into definitely, you know, recently what's been going on, but uh, we talked a little bit that you are originally from Columbus. Where'd you Correct. grow up? Yes. Where did you grow so up? So I grew up uh, south of Columbus, um, kind of close to uh, the Cida Downs Racino and Rickenbacker Air Force Base and, and lived my, most of my uh, childhood and, and young adult life here. Okay. And then I went to uh, Ohio State University and I majored in theater, and about halfway through my theater degree, I said, uh, you know, I probably should maybe pick up something else as well, uh, because at the time I was dating a girl and she was taking a statistics class, and uh, I remember she was going over all of her notes in class, and, and um, she was saying how difficult and strenuous this is, and she says, what did you do in class today? And I said, well, we just laid on the floor and pretended like we were at the ocean. So. At that point, uh, I figured out that maybe I should pick up something in addition to theater. So I picked up uh, um, a different degree entirely, which was Germanic and Slavic uh, 19th and 20th century European history. Um, and what I wanted to do with that, I'm not really sure, maybe teach or something like that. But um, that was my path. Uh, and then at that point, I graduated and I worked uh, for Bon V, which is a sister restaurant of ours. And uh, I was offered a, a job as a manager. 
And uh, that job was uh, taking me to Dallas, Texas, which I lived there for about two years. And then um, at that point, they opened up a restaurant in Las Vegas and they asked me if I wanted to go. And I said, yep, absolutely. I want to go. And I told my wife and she screamed with delight and and, uh, we packed our bags and we moved to Vegas. Um, but when we got to Vegas, we realized that not our restaurant, but the, uh, the entire mall, which was being built in the middle of the desert, which makes a lot of sense, um, was delayed. And it was not delayed just a couple weeks, but um, about six months. So uh, they then redirected us to uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and we lived in this little hotel for six months in the middle of the woods. And um, we had just gotten married at the time, too. So we spent our first uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's there. And uh, that was tough. But then um, moved to Vegas and got Vegas open. And we worked out there for seven years at two different locations. And then uh, we got the seven-year itch and, and then uh, moved back to Columbus to be close to my family and, uh, and uh, work on a house that we renovated. And, and here we are. And I work for Briodista now. And the funny roundabout thing with that story is, is that I initially, when I first started, I did my training at the Brio Easton location um, almost 16 years ago. And uh, the even funnier thing is, is I originally, when I was uh, right out, right, uh, I think I was a senior in high school or, or yes, a senior in high school, um, I applied to work at Brio at Easton and um, I had only worked at, at a Skyline Chili at the time. And uh, I remember the, the guy that interviewed me said, I just don't think you have enough qualifications to work for us. And I said, all right, I got it. So... I worked some other places obviously prior to that and then um, to do my training there was, was was pretty neat and at the end of that training that same gentleman still worked there and he said, you know what, um, I would definitely love you to be part of my team if you ever needed a home and I said, that's really funny, here's a story and I told him and he laughed with a big belly laugh and uh, um, then obviously started my career and, and went to all those different places and to come back and 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 start again at the place where it all began I think it is neat and also humbling at the same time. Yeah. And uh, I think that was um, kind of a, a nice, you know, I did it. I did it. And uh, the coolest thing was is when Brio opened at Easton in 1999, uh, when I was in high school, I was in the marching band and we had uh, a choice to where we wanted to go for our senior dinner. And we chose Brio. And I remember that was like the most magical, coolest place that I had ever been. And that I just remember sitting there looking up at the ceiling like, this is amazing. And they served a big salad with a giant knife stuck in it. I was like, oh, this is great. So, so that, I think, has uh, kind of spiked my appetite for, for what I wanted to do. Literally. It's <laughs> very cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I do, I do have to laugh because I, as well, am a theater major. <laughs> I'll still claim it. Um, <laughs> And like you, I decided, you know, I probably should get another degree mm-hmm. or something to add, a minor, you know. Um, so Perfect. I got mine in creative writing. Perfect. You know, because that's really just as useful. <laughs> well, I know. If you I, went back and got a fine art degree, you would kind of complete a trifecta there. That'd so it. That'd be it. Well, you know, I'm actually really good at the jobs that don't make a lot of money. So if there's other ones out there, I probably, you know, sociology is a good one probably. But no, sure. I'm, I'm lucky to get to actually use my degree every day, which is very, very cool. But I, I love the fact that you were an actor. And that's kind of, 
that's kind of been showing up publicly recently. So, so yeah, explain, it has a little bit. Yeah, explain to us sort of like with this whole Corona nightmare, what happened with you guys in the Brio industry? So um, we all were watching the news uh, on that one Sunday three weeks ago. And Governor DeWine came out and he said, restaurants are going to go to carry out only. And, you know, to find out the same time as the public finds out and then to have to have a plan immediately, um, that's pretty daunting. And it's something that none of us had ever experienced before. And uh, at that point, you know, we made a lot of uh, phone calls and had to call, you know, 150 staff members and say, hey, you know, you're still an employee with us but uh, we don't have a return to work date and we don't have any other information. And I think that um, that was a hard night. That was a hard night for all of us. And to kind of lock up that place and walk out, not knowing what tomorrow would bring. Um, I think that really kind of put, put all of us, honestly, on our heels a lot. Um, and so for the first couple of days, I think most people were in panic mode and uh, they were, you know, raiding grocery stores and filling carts and, and filling out about gas and things like that. And uh, we just weren't busy. We weren't busy at all. And uh, that was also scary because we said, you know, how, how can we convince, you know, people to come here? How, how, can, how can our company afford to keep us open if, if we're not making any money? And uh, at that point, um, we just started to clean. So we just cleaned and cleaned and cleaned. And uh, in addition to that, we then received information from our corporate office that most of them had been furloughed too, including the marketing department and things like that. So they said, uh, we were going to have to market ourselves from a local level. And that's nothing that any of us had really had to do before. I mean, obviously we participated in fundraising and things like that and some grassroots marketing, but not on a marketing national scale per se. Um, so we created a Facebook page and we posted some, some stock photos and things like that. And um, then we uh, witnessed a few more of our management team uh, being furloughed. Uh, and that was a real punch in the gut because, you know, the, the, the employees were, were, were daunting, you know, that those were daunting phone calls and that was tough. Um, but especially like the people that you work, you know, arm by arm every single day, that, that is, that was hard. That, that really um, was a punch in the gut. So um, I remember they did that, that happened and they um, had another press conference with uh, Governor DeWine and I was sitting there watching that and that's when they said schools are going to be closed for, for two or three weeks. And I sat there and I said, I got to do something about this. And at that point, my brother had reached out to me and said, um, hey, who runs your Facebook page? And I said, well, it's kind of all of us. And he said, you know, you need to have some pictures of food and some pictures of your employees and maybe some, some live entertainment or something like that, something to make, you know, a little bit of, of resonance. And I said, you know, that's a pretty good idea. So I filmed uh, my first clip, uh, which was a, mostly me just cooking a dish, um, but it was a little cheeky. Um, and my catchphrase was, I think, uh, um, are, did your wife just tell you that you're in charge of dinner tonight, but you don't know where the can opener is? And that was it. That was the, the funniest part of it. And everything else was just me cooking and boom, and I threw out the, the pasta and that was it. And um, it, it got some likes and it got some views. And I said, huh. So um, 
about two hours later, I said, I want to do another one. So I did another one. And then all of a sudden that got like three or 400 views. And I said, wow, that's pretty cool. Cause we only had maybe like 25 Facebook friends at the time. Yeah. So then, um, I have a four-year-old daughter and she likes to take my phone and run around with it while it's on. And the, the view is literally this when she's running around. And uh, I always think that's really funny. So I did one of me running to Brio because uh, my tagline was, uh, are you bummed that all your gyms are closed? Well, you can run to Brio. <laughs> and I ran to Brio and uh, grabbed some to-go food from my general manager and turned around and ran off. And uh, that got like 1,200 views. And I said, I think we figured something out. Yeah. So then we got to work. And I guess I've been cooking up all of these crazy ideas in my head for 15 years. Um, so <laughs> See, that's that, kind of where, where we've ended up. That degree really is coming through now. You are using it daily. And you will I think my mom and dad are super happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Now you've got to get some of that Germanic European stuff in there with, with the We'll figure it out. I've got a hat collection that I've been trying to introduce too. So that's been helpful. So, <laughs> so, so what was the, what had you made? How many videos at this point? Like 15, 16? Film? Uh, I have filmed um, 42. Are you serious? And, wow. Yep. And uh, I've only probably released about half of that. Okay. So maybe less than half of that. Okay. Um, and I've, I've been, my wife is my, uh, she's my producer, my wardrobe assistant and prop master. Um, so I come home usually after working you know, 10 or 11 hours and I say, we got to film something. And she goes, we have to put the kid to bed. And I go, great. We put the kid to bed. I eat a sandwich real quick. And then we go and film something in the middle of the night. And um, it, I, she just gives me the, the craziest looks. But then all of a sudden when I come back, the next morning I say, hey, I posted it and it's got, you know, 4,000 views. Um, it, it's a kind of a nice pat on the back. So yeah. it's pretty yeah. cool. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Does she give you any of the ideas? Um, yeah, some. She's, she's had some really good ideas and uh, she is my biggest critic. So we'll film something and she'll, she'll say, that was not funny or that was terrible. <laughs> um, and she's very direct very direct. So, um, she will be very honest with me, but you know, it's helpful. And, and, and a lot of the videos that I shoot are typically, um, first takes. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then when I have to deliver like a whole slew of information about like promotions and all kinds of stuff, those are usually a couple takes. Um, but we did some Easter ones and man, we had to film those like five or six times a piece. And I had, uh, the, the really encouraging thing is, is that, the company uh, approached us, Brio Easton, and said, hey, we like what you're doing at a local level. Can you do videos for us at a national level? So they have shown two of uh, four so far, um, and that's pretty neat. So um, I guess if you would say uh, two weeks ago, hey, do you think you'd be like this weird local semi-celebrity person? Um, you can claim it. during a pandemic and I would say absolutely not that's crazy I don't want to ever believe that but um, that's kind of what's happening and I, the reason why I say local celebrity is I've been stopped on a few occasions and people have said real guy and I said yep like pumping gas that happened to me uh, my wife got stopped last night uh, because she was talking to somebody about Brio and they mentioned uh, 
who I was and, and someone stepped in and said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's your husband. She said, yep. And, uh, they said, well, I love those videos and they, <laughs> and I said, that's pretty cool. So pretty neat. Yeah. I think the, the introduction to your videos that I got, I started a really random Facebook group called the quarantine creative outlet. Mm -hmm. And it was when everything was starting to shut down, all of us actors were, were basically given this, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> right. you're not working. Um, right. And I know for me, I clearly, you probably, even in this 10 minutes that we've been talking to each other, I don't sit still very well. So sure. we started this, we, I started this Facebook group where people could post anything creative and somebody posted one of your videos or I, I linked it up or I saw it and posted it on there. And it was like, this is brilliant. <laughs> and what's so cool about this time and probably what you've experienced is that we're doing things that we would not be doing. We would never, never. Nope. No. Like why in the world would, I would you come home from a shift? I would be petrified to have put those videos on our Facebook page and be like, hey, corporate office, what do you think? But <laughs> the interesting thing is that, and not just for restaurants, but a lot of businesses, mm -hmm. um, this has leveled the playing field. I mean, it, it has put everyone at the same point, whether you're the busiest restaurant in Columbus or you're a mom and pop or you're somewhere in the middle, all of a sudden, boom, it doesn't matter because you have to support yourselves now. And um, I think, you know, if, if we all do this, this, do this right and do this correctly, and obviously if this doesn't draw on too long, um, I hope we all come out of this a lot stronger and, uh, and maybe a lot more kind of figured out on, on romancing the brand, you know, rom romancing restaurants in a way or, or local businesses and things because sometimes things just get a little bit too, you know, stock photo, stock photo. And, and maybe if you put a human face to it sometimes that I think people kind of, you know, get more excited about things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And now you guys have a staff of four? Four. That's it. So we work six days a week, uh, open to close every day. Um, and usually my routine with the other uh, general manager, as well as the executive chef and sous chef is... We usually get there at 10 every day. And then for two hours, we usually prep um, all the food. So um, the other thing is, is that a lot of the luxury items that we used to get in the past, like um, chopped lettuce or um, maybe some things that were already pre-diced or, or pre-done you know, done for us in a way, not that they were pre-packaged, but you know, base products, um, those don't exist. So um, I might stand and chop two or three cases of lettuce by hand you know i i might um make this by hand or that by hand and um it it is kind of um was surprising at first um because you know the things we were getting in uh they weren't great products so we didn't want to serve them uh and a lot of people go ah quarantine i gotta stay in my house and maybe i'll go to a restaurant but the quarantine affects people through so many different layers. I mean, if you just think about a restaurant alone, you know, obviously we laid off employees, but um, you, it's not just that, it's the supply chains. It's, it's the farmers that produce the product. It's the butchers, it's, it's everybody. It's, it goes back so far, the truck drivers, everyone, that whole unit of people that come together to make a restaurant work, all of that's just, you know, in limbo. 
Um, so to try to reinvent yourselves, not only from a marketing standpoint, but just from an operation standpoint, um, we are doing that. But um, I think a lot of restaurants that did choose to close might not have been able to figure that out. And, that, and that, that, that's sad. And that's, that's tough because it, it's a precarious position to put yourself in and um, not knowing where you'll be even two days from now or a week from now, I think is what is the, is the hardest question that no one can really answer. And I think um, we, are, we are doing our best to, to still be the exact same restaurant that you remember. We're on a little bit of a limited menu right now just because there's a lot of product we can't um, get in. Um, and plus there's four of us, so we can't make you know, 80 menu items. Um, but yeah, when you, when you go to a local restaurant or if you decide that you wanna go out to eat you know, this week or next week, um, don't think that it's a staff of you know, 30 or 40 people putting together. I mean, it, it's, it's probably uh, you know, 10 or less that are, are making it happen every single day. So when people say, go support your local restaurants, um, you're, you're not just supporting those people that are working, but what you're doing is you're guaranteeing a place for all of those employees to return. Yeah. And if say the wine came out next week and said, you know what, the peak is going to spike and it's going to be too hard and everyone has to stay home and we're going to have to stop carry out altogether. And, you know, and that might be a reality. I don't know, but I personally, as well as the other three of us can say, you know, we went down swinging and we went down fighting. Yeah. And, and we're fighting for the people that work for us and, and not just them, but we're also fighting for all the guests that might have, you know, enjoyed us since 1999, you know, that they've shared, you know, wedding receptions, and anniversaries and birthday parties and special moments and business meetings and things like that. So, you know, to, to not let the dining landscape shift tremendously, I think is what is, is the hardest thing for us to work for, but that's what we're trying to prop up and support. Absolutely. And at Easton, I actually was driving around. I live about 10 minutes from Easton, mm -hmm. and I needed to get out of the house. I know that's a shocker to everyone, that I may not be a homebody, uh, but <laughs> I was just taking a drive. How many restaurants at Easton have closed? So they, that first week, they started with about 21, but I know that number has gone down. I don't know the official number. Yeah. I know that on our side, uh, there are just about four of us or five of us that are in operation. Um, but, you know, all, all businesses are closed. So um, there's one video of me uh, going out, laying out in the middle of the street um, because I could, because there's, there's no one there. And it's funny, um, we'll prep and prep and prep all day. And then all of a sudden, I, I'll find a, a, a break and I'll say, hey, I got to go film a video clip real quick. And they're like, okay. So like yesterday, I'm like walking around in a blonde wig outside of the restaurant. Um, and I'm so used to having nobody there. And it could be Saturday and there's nobody there. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden, this woman came around the corner and she goes, hey, nice hat. And I went, whoa. <laughs> and I just wasn't prepared for that. Um, so it's just, I don't know. It's just so odd. It's so odd to be in the busiest mall in, I think, the United States or one, one of the top ones in the United States and to have uh, not a soul around except for security and police. I mean, it is, it's wild. Absolutely wild. So bizarre. Wow. How is your... Christy, you, you've been downtown recently, too. It's very similar to that, too. I mean, it's just no matter where you go. I mean, and yeah. I think that's probably just everywhere in the entire country. It's just, it's almost spooky, you know? 
It is, you know, especially I think that first Saturday night walking to my car at like 8.15 because we close at eight, um, I'm sorry, like nine o'clock on Saturdays and then there's nobody, you know, and before you'd have to like fight through crowds of people and like find your car and sit and wait to get out of the garage and sit at three stoplights and, and I'm home in 20 minutes. I mean, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Drive times are pretty good right now. We, we, they just installed all of those billboards over the freeways that say it's like, you know, you know, heavy traffic delays and that kind of thing. Well, they used to say that. They don't say that anymore. It's all like, you know, expect no traffic. Yeah. I think you can get to Cleveland in like 45 minutes to 50 minutes. <laughs> are we sure about that, Brian? I don't think that's uh, Cleveland. If you believe you can achieve. The more you know. We need this. We we need the star moving across the top. <laughs> Maybe we could get. Can you can you insert that on my screen, Ben? Or do I have to have a green screen? I want the star. The more you we need to get actually just you a, a. I've got a green sheet at the studio. I'm going to have you hang up behind you because then we can put you anywhere. Can I so. always wear green when I do it too? So I'm just a floating head. Just a floating head. Yeah. I, I like that idea a lot. I've thought about bringing my portable one here for behind me too. So I don't know. The show is evolving, folks. It's gonna it's gonna get weird. So depending on how long this goes, it might be a special effect uh, bonanza coming soon. So we It'll learned be good. what we have learned, and Brian, you'll appreciate this. Is uh, we've we as actors in Columbus have started doing what we call virtual theater. So we're actually doing a play. Mm -hmm via zoom that other people can watch um this is our third weekend of it and this weekend we decided to do a comedy and it's just a it's about a 15 minute two-person comedy and it's lovely and they fall in love from the beginning mm -hmm. to the end and so i said you know as the director i really don't want to read all the stage directions i don't i don't want to bore people with all of that except for the end because they kiss obviously you know we can't do a stage kiss and both of the actors kind of went like, Allah. and so we have now incorporated an online stage kiss. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. It works. And I said, you know, the only problem with this is like, if this is really the first time you're meeting each other, you guys are giving a, a lot of tongue. So maybe yeah. he's, he's back on the tongue. Back off, back off there a little bit. Stranger danger. Watch out. <laughs> Ah, yeah. So, <laughs> we're discovering all of these great new things during Did you month. see um, the cast of Hamilton uh, sang uh, a song for a little girl and they did it through Zoom and it was the whole cast. It was incredible. Amazing. Absolutely incredible. My wife and I watched that like two nights ago and it was, we were just like, oh, it's fantastic, <laughs> but it was super, super cool. But it's just neat, you know, I mean. This create this time creates uh, different opportunities and different ways to figure things out. So yeah. it's kind of wild. It's, Did you guys awesome. see Hamilton? Did you see Hamilton? When it yes, we um, we saw Hamilton when it was in Columbus, and it was outstanding. It's amazing. Outstanding. Really great. Yeah, really great. It was, it was our uh, fifteen. How many years have we been married? Tenth. Tenth. That's not good. Sorry. Um, <laughs> for our tenth anniversary, we went to Chicago, and my friend Matt oh, wow. from Otterbein had just gotten a job as the company manager and it had just opened in Chicago probably two months before that. And I'm looking online for tickets and it's like, well, uh, this one seat is 495 for obstructed yeah. view. That's yeah. not bad. Um, and then reached out to him and he's like, well, why don't you just take my, uh, 
my company seats. So we're six rows from the stage. Oh, wow. The original Chicago cast. Like, that's incredible. And then we got to go on stage afterward. This is like the pinnacle theater moment. I'm, yeah, geeking out. We went backstage. He's like, yeah, come on up. You guys can check out the stage. And then we walk back. I'm not typically a fangirl. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, there's, there's not a whole lot of reason to be. Everybody's pretty normal. And we're seeing that in this time. But man, I fangirled because we go backstage and he stops two of the company members, Karen Olivio and uh, I can't remember the other one offhand, but they're standing like right there and he's talking to them about paychecks. I'm like, honey, honey, she's a Tony Award winner. She's a Tony Award winner. She's a Tony Award winner. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> in freaking incredible. And that show, my gosh, it's That's so insane. good. So good. Yeah. And theater and history all in one. So uh, my yeah. forte. <laughs> yes, this is this is that that weird thing that happens of like you actually learn a lot from. I didn't know much about Hamilton, and it's like now fascinating know. character. Yeah, created the, the banking system. I mean, it's yeah. it's incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah, and why why we don't pay more attention to him? I'm glad that we do now because of this play. Absolutely, I think that's really good. The only other thing that I knew because I didn't pay attention in history that you know took too much time, I guess. But do you remember there was an old milk commercial? Um, that was where I first heard about Aaron Burr. And it was this dude sitting in his house and he's making a peanut butter sandwich. And the radio is saying, now for the $5,000 question, who shot Alexander Hamilton? But he's got <laughs> peanut butter in his mouth and he's goes, oh, boo. Like that one of the best commercials. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yes. So tell me, you we we briefly started on this, but I want to know how did you and your wife meet? This sounds like a very interesting story. Uh it's maybe the greatest love story of all time. So um I was studying at Ohio State and uh, I was taking a Russian history class. Mm -hmm. And I had, I was a terrible at planning my schedule sometimes, so I had like a four hour break in between these two classes. And there was a couch in front of the classroom that sat in front of a bulletin board. And I would go there every day and I would um, sit and read and study and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, there was uh, a tour that I had signed up for earlier um, with a different department. And it was going to go to Russia in the summer. And they were going to go to Moscow and St. Petersburg. And uh, at that point, I had signed up and put down a deposit. And that was my summer plans. And I was ready to go. So then I got an email. And they said, hey, due to lack of interest, we're going to cancel that trip. And I was devastated because that's, that's what I was going to do. You know, I'd already kind of started making plans and things. And um, I was sitting on that couch and happened to turn around and there was a, I still can see it vividly, uh, a yellow piece of paper that said, study Russia through the waterway of the czars. And they had the trip dates and a gentleman's phone number. And uh, I called it and he was a professor emeritus at Ohio State. And he said, look, I've got one spot left. It has to be a male based off of the room occupancy. And I have to know by today and I'll need your deposit tomorrow because the trip closes tomorrow. And I said, bingo, done. I'm in. Let's do it. 
So we um, had a couple meetings uh, just to get the group oriented with them with each other. And um, I was actually the youngest person on that trip. Everyone else was mostly um, retired professors and things like that. And, you know, I think a lot of people had gone on, you know, the drink your way through Europe tours and things like that. And while those are fun, uh, you don't learn a lot. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to, to learn a little bit. So um, we had two different meetings and the meeting before we left, they said, hey, by the way, um, the ship that you're going to sail on, um, they have rebooked us on a different ship. No consequence to any of us, but the name of the ship will be different, just in case you're curious. And we all just went, okay, whatever. So we flew into uh, Moscow and spent, uh, I think, five amazing days there. And then we boarded this river boat, um, which was built by the East Germans. And uh, they built those in the late 80s. And uh, they were pretty tight and pretty cramped. And when you say cruise ship, I don't mean cruise ship. It was mostly like a riverboat casino that was kind of turned into... Um, a hotel, floating hotel. Um, and I remember in the bathroom, uh, there was a toilet and then there was a sink that you would face. And then the um, shower head was actually the sink faucet and you'd put that up on a hook and you would take a bath over your toilet. Um, and that, not my favorite, but so it was a little bit of a weird cruise. But um, every day on that cruise, uh, they would have some sort of either cultural history, um, political kind of discussion by someone that's presenting whatever they're going to talk about. And we would always attend those. And um, they were going to do one on Russian jewelry. And I said, you know what, I think I'm going to go to the bar on the ship and maybe sit this one out. But for some reason, everybody else was going. And uh, they said, come on, you might as well go because no one's going to be, you don't want to drink by yourself. And I said, okay, I'll go. So I was sitting there and out walks this girl that I thought was the most beautiful girl in the world. And it was love at first sight. And after the presentation, I went up and talked to her and she was, I think, startled um, because she didn't expect me to anyone to come talk to her. And uh, it turned out that she also worked in the gift shop on the cruise ship. So I frequented that gift shop uh, over and over. And she, to, to this very day, she says, you always remember, I never did give you a discount when you came to the gift shop and I signed up. And um, so we hung out um, every day, all day, um, for like the last few, uh, few weeks, not few weeks, few days of that trip. And then we boarded a bus to go to Finland and we were gonna go to Helsinki for a few days. And um, I remember I got on that bus and I said goodbye to her and I sat next to my roommate, his name was Paul. And Paul was, probably in his 50s at the time, and I was 24, 23, and I remember I sat there and I just cried. I just cried and cried, and I was like, I've never ever felt this way about somebody, especially someone that I just met, and I was just, it, it was devastating. So we went to um, Finland, and I remember I tried all night to figure out how to call her, and that was before, you know, yeah. FaceTime or anything. And you know her phone number was about this long, and and I sat in this Finnish hotel room trying to call someone in Russia, and I I finally gave up, and my roommate said, "Let's just go down, we'll get dinner, and and that's that." So, flew back to the United States, and uh, I remember I was I worked at Gordon Beer's downtown as a server, and my phone rang, and it was this crazy long number, and I said, "What is this?" And I answered it, and it was her, 
and she figured out finally how to get a hold of me. So we talked every day for a year through either email or by phone. I'd have to like run to a gas station and buy a phone card because they would all of a sudden in the middle of our phone call would just drop out and that'd be it. That'd be it until I could find, buy another phone card. Yeah. And um, so I um, then graduated from college and then I said, hey, we're going to go to uh, Germany and France um, because I wanna see all the places that I studied when I was in college. And uh, I said, you don't happen to wanna meet me in Paris for a couple of days, do you? And she was like, yep, absolutely, absolutely, I wanna go. So we spent um, like 11 days in Paris and it was, it was incredible. And fell deeply in love with her and came back. And I remember um, I was like devastated again. So I flew back to Russia and I spent like a month with her in Russia uh, and her family and met all of her friends and, and adored all of them. And they were so receptive and so nice and um, flew back. And I remember my mom had made me dinner because I flew back to, to Columbus. And um, I remember I just sat over my, my plate and I just like, I just cried. And I was like, I can't believe this person is doing this to me. I mean, it's just so, it was so hard because every time we said goodbye, you never knew if that was it. Mm -hmm. And um, so that very next day I said, I know what I'm going to do. So we, we went to a, a jewelry store and I bought a ring and called her up and I said, hey, do you want to go to Rome? And she said, yep. So I live with my parents at the time. So that's why I could do all this. But um, flew to Rome. And I proposed to her in Rome and she said yes. And then a few months later, uh, my mom and I flew back to Russia to ask the blessing of her family because that's kind of a very big traditional thing that they do there. And uh, they said yes and flew back and then she flew here and then we got married. Um, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, not only was I not supposed to be on that trip, but I was not supposed to also be on the ship that she was on but in addition, which I didn't find out till a while later, is the night before we set sail on that ship, uh, she was transferred to the ship that we were on. So it was just like crazy, crazy fate. Yeah. So it's a it it's awesome, and you know, she's my rock, and she's super supportive of me, and I'm super supportive of her, and and it we've been married forever now, it seems, and. At the same time, it feels like we've only been together still for a few months. So um, it's just awesome, super, super awesome. So that's our that's our sappy love story. But I think it's pretty cool. So that's awesome. That's so cool. Oh, ben and I are both like. It's very sweet. No, <laughs> 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 oh, shucks, come on. <laughs> cool. And now she's your producer and director and videographer. That's awesome. Prop master, everything. She does it all. So it's funny, you know, tr doing all of these different videos, um, man, it's hard to find props and stuff. You can't like go to the wig store and buy a wig. You can't go rent a costume. You can't do anything. So you just have to improvise. So, you know, um, I did this radio interview a couple of days ago and they're like, how, how are you doing your hair and stuff? And I said, I'm digging through Halloween's of Halloween's past and I'm trying to make it work. But you might see some uh, same wigs pop up here and there. Maybe different styles. Maybe we'll restyle somehow using the hairspray. But. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. tough. Tough. I I, it does frighten me that I have a full prop room <clears throat> in my building. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll have to send you a list of things I need, and you can Lysol them and sit them on your porch, and then 48 hours later, I'll come and pick them up. There you go. <laughs> 
Don't tell my It'll boss. <laughs> it's funny. I'll come home and I'll say, I, honey, I need uh, one beret and I also need a blonde wig. And she'll say, I just don't worry. It's for work. It's just like, okay, great. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, I would love to say that that's, those are some weird things that I say during this time. Those are weird things I say in general. Um, yeah. Sort of, we couldn't get the groceries in the car because I had suit jackets, a cowboy hat, and something else in the trunk. And Doug is like, What is all of this stuff? I was like, Props, costumes, duh. Like, this is what we do. It's still there. I need it. Yeah, I came to work. I came to work one day and I had this big bag of stuff. And my chef was like, What's in that bag? And I said, It's mostly my wife's jewelry, sunglasses. Um, a silk wrap with a tiger print on it and a blonde wig. And he was like, I don't want to know. Just show me the video when you're done. So. <laughs> what has been your favorite one to make so far? Um, I think the Tiger King one obviously was the most popular. Um, I just looked before we started to do this and I think it was at uh, 7,200 views right now. Um, so I'm just waiting on my check from Facebook. I guess is what I'm kind of sitting here for. But um, there's a few that we haven't released yet that I think are my favorites uh, because the first uh, dozen or so was just kind of like off the cuff. And we we're just like, let's try it out and we'll shoot it. And if it's great, perfect. If not, then we'll just do something different. Um, but then I downloaded some uh, movie editor things and, 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 and been working on some transition stuff and adding some music and things to kind of give it more of like a professional look. Um, so there's some ones that are going to roll down the, the, the pipeline here. I think that I'm the most proud of whether they'll have the biggest reception. I don't know. Um, like I did one parody yesterday of Brad Pitt's speech in Inglorious Bastards. And I like that speech and I like that movie. But I know that that's kind of a pigeonhole audience in a way. I mean, if you didn't see the movie, you don't know what I'm talking about. But um, that was a big favorite of mine. But then, you know, that didn't get very many views. So it just kind of depends. I think people generally just like slapstick and goofiness. Um, there was one we did yesterday uh, that I posted that um, these two girls, it's me, in two different wigs. But um, they're both on the phone talking about Brio and, and offering uh, Bellinis because now you can serve, you know, liquor outside of your doors um, as of yesterday. So um, that was a goofy one that I just did real quick. And uh, it was kind of a play on like the Budweiser, the, the WhatsApp one. Um, and that's like wildfire right now. People are crazy about it. So it's just funny what people kind of get latched on to and what other things you post that you're really proud of that people are like, man. So I don't know. It's just kind of finding your audience, I guess, in a way. Um, but I don't know. I, I try to kind of layer it with, with maybe some interesting things or some parodies of some different movies as well as goofy stuff too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got the blonde wig, so there, there is a bevy of options and I'm glad that it's blonde. You know, I mean, if you have you. a curly redhead wig, there's only so many Annie's you can do, you know? I know, I know. The selling it comes out tomorrow, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Mm -mm. I was in Annie when I was in uh, middle school. I played the butler. Aww. Yeah. So, that's so cool. I remember the, uh, one of the girls who played, and she'll kill me that I tell you this, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> Where she walked she out. <laughs> she walked out and uh, was getting ready to sing 
I think tomorrow or something. And she went, and then she ran off the stage. And fortunately we had an understudy in a high school production. I don't know why, but we did. And we took a very long intermission and put the wig on the other girl. And then she came out and finished the show. And I was like, oh my God, I've never seen that before. And I still have, that's the only time I've ever saw that. And I was like, man, that is a tough way to make your debut. But I think she was only in seventh or eighth grade at the time, but whew, that was a doozy. <laughs> amazing. I'm sure we all have theater horror stories from, from years past, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I don't, I've not, knocking on the table, been in a show where um, an understudy had to go on due to illness. We just finished yeah. off a month at Short North Stage with Saturday Night Fever, a month, five weeks of performances. Wow. And we had, I mean, pretty much every role had an understudy. Um, uh-huh. And there was only one that was used, but we knew that that actress had to go away. And so her understudy was prepared to go on that weekend. Right. No, it was just, and yeah, I mean, half the cast was sick. But what, what cracked me up, and we've talked about this in our, when we've had Saturday Night Fever people on, I had an understudy. And God bless, so I played the old lady. Um, mm-hmm. And they, my understudy was 20. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, she, so you're just three years difference, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I basically would have to have complete laryngitis and explosive diarrhea to not go on, so you should be fine. Um, luckily those didn't happen, but it's like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Sorry, there's children. It sounds like (laughs) elephants in here, but those are my children. So, yeah. So what's, I know we don't know like what's next, but what's next for you? I mean, just day to day until... Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think is just to develop as much falling as we can. Um, and I hope I don't run out of ideas before then. I don't think I will, but, um, I think, you know, just to continue to get our presence known. And I think the most encouraging thing is, is that by doing it this way, um, we are seeing a lot of people that either A, never knew that we existed or B, always knew about us, but just didn't ever come. Um, and I think when you find those people that walk in and they go, I've never been here before, but I saw your videos. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, if say a few weeks or months from now, if, if, if we could continue to do this and still operate as a restaurant, um, I think I'm being supported by a lot of people around me, um, not just work, but also personal. And I think that's encouraging. Um, and, also, you know, if I end up being the mascot for the company, that's super cool too. Uh, um, if not, I still at least made a, a really neat impact, I think, and, and maybe change the social marketing scene for a long time. Hopefully, at least for just our company, but maybe other companies too. Um, it is interesting and also flattering because I uh, have noticed other restaurants kind of, I don't want to say copycat, but um, paying homage to uh, what we are doing. And I think that is, um, that's pretty neat. I like that. That's pretty cool. So. Well, Brian, I think you should be very, very proud of yourself. It's what you're doing. And I know a lot of other people are doing it, but what specifically you are doing is not only helping your company, but I love watching it. You know, it's nice to see something that's 
completely out of the norm at this point, or, you know, it's, that's not focused on tragic, hard things. And, you know, especially in an industry where pretty much everybody in your industry is not working. Right. right. So it's, it's so good to see so much of that positive message coming out. And it's not just about advertising, but you should be daggone proud of yourself. Thank proud you. Of you, man. Appreciate it. I'd fist bump you. Now I look like I'm punching <laughs> you. So that. A fist bump is like this, straight towards the camera, there. like that, and then that, yeah. That doesn't look like a fist. Oh, oh no, oh no, oh that's oh no, oh why? Why are we doing this? This this isn't right. Can do just sort of like the stage. Ah, yeah, yeah. We'll keep finding ways for that. But oh my gosh, Brian, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. How can people find your stuff and also how, how do we get your food? I mean, that's important too. So if you go to Brio Easton on Facebook, that's the best place to find us. Uh, we're also on Instagram as well. And then uh, if you want to order, you can call us at Brio at Easton. Uh, the number is 416-4745 or you can order online at brioitalian.com. As well as if you prefer to have it delivered and maybe have a contact-free situation, um, Grubhub, Postmates, and DoorDash are our partners with that as well. So cool. And the food is good. I like your Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I love real. I mean, we, the food's great. So. Great. What's your favorite thing to cook? Uh, um, you know what? When I, when I did my training, um, when you cook pasta at Brio, um, it's not like you put sauce in a pan and heat it up and then you put noodles in it and that's pasta so we build everything in the pan um and when i did my training there the chef that was running the restaurant uh on my first day of training uh you you verbally fight we call it fire but you verbally call all of those pastas to that cook and you cook all of the pastas in a grouping simultaneously so he might fire to you say eight or ten pastas and then you cook all of those at once sling them out and then he'll fire again. And the way, the reason why they do that is for timing because pastas are quick. You don't want a three minute pasta to come out at the same time as you're waiting on a 20 minute steak. So um, I remember I'd worked that station and he would fire like 10 pastas. And I was like, it's my first day. And I always remember that it was, it was difficult. I, I would struggle. And I remember uh, the sous chef came over and was like, just watch me do it. And he would like cook with me and he was awesome. But um, now I've come back and I've figured all that out. So that was kind of like a cool, like hoorah, big win for me, um, that I, I'm able to do it. So, um, I think cooking pastas is pretty cool. Um, but I can cook a great steak. I could make a nice salad and, uh, just, about, I, I can cook anything. So, um, that's exciting too. And that's the, the difference now than it was, you know, three weeks ago is, was I trained to do all these things? Yeah, but it's 15, 16 years ago. Um, and every time we do a rollout, you know, we, we do cook the dish once or twice, but that's it. Yeah. But to have my hands on the product every single day, that's, that's something that we never did. You know, we're, we're aware, we know the ingredients, but in terms of like actually producing things, we wouldn't do that as management. So to have this total role reversal and shift. And now I'm not just the cook, but I'm the dishwasher, the prep cook. I'm also the guy that answers the phone. I bag up your food and I'm also making goofy movies. 
is uh, quite the whirlwind, um, but I think we're all doing it as best as we can and in great strides. So um, in terms of what I like to cook, I'd say pastas are great, but everything that we do is good. And everything that we do is from scratch and we make it every single day. So we don't take shortcuts. Everything is prepared perfectly. And I'd say call us up today if you can. I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at the time like, oh, I didn't eat lunch. We deliver. I know you do. I know. <laughs> I, I actually, the last play reading that I did, I had calamari and a salad. Nice. Literally shoving my face right before we went on. That's the classy actor that I am. What do you have that's keto friendly? Uh, what? Come on. Is that real? It is actually. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, obviously you can do a steak and all the different kinds of things. We can Sure. Yeah. We can do anything without... Uh, you guys do good steaks, too. I've, I've had your steaks. We do great steaks. Great steaks. Um, we can do chicken dishes, salmon dishes, all kinds of things. And pork chops, too. You guys still have the pork chops, or no? We special for pork chops for Easter. We have a pork chop and also lasagna special that we're going to do. Um, Holy cow. Man, we have to stop talking about food now. I'm, I'm and so it's hungry. It's pork chops, so if you, know, if you don't want to know, you can kind of have maybe one to three meals out of that, so... Sounds delicious. It really does. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brian, thanks again. We, we're so glad, so proud of what you guys are doing. And, and thank you for continuing to bring positivity to this ridiculous time right now. <laughs> so I really appreciate that. But thanks for coming on the podcast. Ben, do you want to close this out? Sure. Yes. Hey, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, and now you're staring at our faces, which I'm sure is the best part of this. So Krista's always making good faces here too. So you can't see that right now because I'm the one talking and that's what the software is doing is it's looking at me. If she says something, it'll switch back to her. <laughs> Thank goodness for that, right? <laughs> if you like what you hear and see, we appreciate it so, so, so much. And we really would appreciate it. Uh, if you would uh, follow us on Facebook uh, that's kind of our primary landing page where you can talk to us and communicate with us, that kind of thing. Uh, like and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. That really helps us out with our visibility on the world's largest podcast repository. Uh, and now we're on the YouTubes as well, which is a totally new experience for us. And we're really looking forward to not reading the comments on these things too, because why would you, why would you do that? Um, but uh, no, Hey, uh, the, you know, YouTube, find us on there, like, and subscribe. That's through the Boxland Media page. We may break it out into its own individual channel here at some point, but for right now, look up Boxland Media on YouTube. You can see that and lots of other stuff that we do, and uh, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much. The thumbs up, the bells, the the whole thing means the world to us. Thank you. Thanks. Yep. That was really well done. That was good. That was good. I know. I know. It's almost like I practiced it, but I did not. I definitely did not. So you guys both look fabulous, by the way. You're both dressed nicely and everything like that. And I'm literally wearing my Honey Badger Don't Care t-shirt. <laughs> and I haven't shaved in three days. So like, you both are like, you look really put together and lovely and everything. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to try to not be on camera as much as possible. But here I am. Yes. Hi. There you are. Oh, my goodness. Well, thanks again. And we will we'll see you sometime. Watch out for the bath salt zombies. Yep. Watch out for the bath salt zombies. Foxland Media. Think big.